Hello. This is Written and Spoken, the Fusebox podcast. I'm Lisa B. Thompson, playwright, cultural critic, and professor of African and African Diaspora Studies at the University of Texas at Austin. And it's an honor to be in conversation today with my colleague and friend, Giselle Mason, critically acclaimed dancer, choreographer, and teacher. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. <laughs> okay, I'm, having, I'm trying to contain my fangirl moment. I'm just so happy we could do this. Um, I want to know, how would you describe yourself to someone who's, in, who's living under a rock and doesn't know who you are? Um, if you're at a cocktail party, they say, well, what do you do or who are you? Oh, I love say? that question. Um, what would I say? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. It depends on um, what they're wearing when they ask me. No. <laughs> <laughs> love it. <laughs> You know, because sometimes you tell people you're a dancer, mm-hmm. and um, if the music's playing, then they want you to dance, right? right? You know? Oh, <laughs> so, yes. yes. Um, but I, I do <laughs> say I'm a dancer and choreographer and performer, um, that I enjoy making work and sharing work. And often one of the first things I talk about is that I'm really interested in what dance can do. Mm. Because a lot of folks, again, if you say dancer, we have a very... Um, specific mm-hmm. idea of what that is. You know, that might be on a stage, a live performance, um, maybe a dancer in a music video, mm-hmm. you know, even somebody who works in a strip club or something yes. like that. So, but people's ideas of um, what a dancer is can be pretty narrow. And often people will be like, oh, so what do you teach? Like the running man? <laughs> I was like, um, sometimes, actually. <laughs> sometimes I might pull that into a piece yes. of choreography. But, um, I'm really interested in how dance can be a lens to help us have a larger conversation around societal issues, around our Mm. communities, um, and everyone dances. Um, Absolutely. But I think so many people... (laughs) But so many people think of themselves, it's one of those things that they're like, I don't dance. Right. Yes, um, that's true. I see movement and choreography everywhere, and mm. I think when people f- find themselves um, moving and think of think of the idea that dance can happen anywhere, mm-hmm. then it, it releases a little bit of the tension and expectation of like, oh, I should look this way when I'm dancing. I'm mm, like, yes. look, if you are out there and having a good time and enjoying yourself, that is one type. If you are trying to study and become a professional, that is mm-hmm. another type. Mm-hmm. If you are out in the communities dancing with your friends yes. and your family, that's another type, and it's all valid. I love that because I think oftentimes people hear the term artist and they you know, start to crumple before you and mm-hmm. think um, that one, you're judging whatever they're doing, and the other is that, that um, they're not an artist. Exactly. And, and, I, and I've... Um, talk to my students about this all the time. I, can you remember what grade it was when you stopped being allowed to have paint mm-hmm. and crayons and paper and construction paper and Elmer's glue that you can put on your hand and make a glove out of and peel <laughs> off? Right. Um, and that, you know, and when was it stolen from you, mm-hmm. really? And those, those, and those that who stayed on the path to becoming artists, it became the professionalization, but not the play. Right. And that's the thing that I think we need to 
kind of think about. So I, I, I did for a little while with my son is I have kind of art making Sundays, just oh. this is make stuff. And of course now he's uh, older, so he's it was one he seen with me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a public or at home. Um, so hopefully we can revisit that when I'm, when I'm elderly and, you know, I have a bib and he'll be willing to do that with me. Because that was actually a lovely thing about my mother and son. She had dementia and we'd go see, she would go to um, a senior care day, you know, mm-hmm. daycare, and they would make some kind of projects that children make. Mm-hmm. And so when we, we visited her in San Francisco, my son would be, this is awesome, you know, they make stuff together, they're making things. Mm-hmm. So it's a beautiful moment. And I think I would like us to not have the moment only be when you're a senior citizen and when you're a child, but that we are making yeah. art together all the time. Yeah, so anyway, absolutely. So just, absolutely. So tell us about what you value most or what you found um, lovely about relocating to Austin to teach and make art. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I recently relocated from Colorado, but I am actually from Dallas. I grew up in Dallas. I'm from New Orleans. I know no, But I grew up okay. in Dallas, and my mom still lives in Dallas. Okay. So this is a very interesting coming home mm-hmm. moment. I left Texas when I was 18, and this is the first time I've been back wow. in regards to living in Texas. So that was two years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a year and a half ago. I really just got back. Um, I love um, it. Yeah, like I'm only 20. She looks fabulous, I'm by the look, way. I'm only 20. That's why I'm saying it. <laughs> you look, look great for 78. You know? <laughs> um, but I think something that's really been exciting is that, you know, I was at um, the University of Colorado at Boulder, and that was a really great um, community. And one of the things that I got excited about being back in Texas was that the dance department is a really diverse group of folks, mm-hmm. you know, and yes. we've got identities and cultures and bodies that are all so very different. And I appreciate that within the department, you know, we keep continuing to try and challenge this idea mm-hmm. of what is seen as the appropriate types of dance forms yes. to be trained in, right? So we're not only just ballet and modern or contemporary, mm-hmm. but we are also talking about how within each one of those forms, there's a lot of diversity. Mm. And we're also pulling in forms from along the African diaspora. And while the UT is not the only program that's doing that, they were also doing that at CU Boulder, there is already a strong mix um, community that exists in Texas. And I think sometimes people don't think about that. And it's in the communities, but we're also trying to get them into the university. Sometimes the university can Mm -hmm. be a barrier or feel like a barrier um, in terms of who's accepted and who gets to be in it. So for me to see all of these um, young folks of all different kinds of backgrounds and colors and beliefs finding connection through dance. And a lot of my work is actually interested in disrupting um, identities, um, social norms, you know, challenging what we believe to be true. How Mm -hmm. is it that we create otherness? Um, And so to be able to take those ideas and work with a diverse population of really eager and talented young people has been exciting. Wow. So... This sounds like a ideal place to make the kind of work you do. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, is 
the collaborations, like meeting mm -hmm. you here. <laughs> yes. You know, there's there's some really talented people mm -hmm. on this campus. Yes. And it takes a little while because the campus is so big, mm -hmm. you know, to begin to make new, you know, find a new community. Right. Um, which is important in my work is, you know, relationships and community and interdisciplinary collaboration. But there, there are some really amazing folks, thinkers, makers on this campus, and I'm, Crazy. I'm also really excited about getting to know more about who is on campus and their work. Oh, that's, that's great. I love that because I, I've been telling people that I also came from another university. I, I was teaching at State University in New York and Albany for my first part of my career, and I came here in 2012. And people would ask me, how is it, how is it? you living in Texas? I mm -hmm. said, first of all, <laughs> people are in, in Atlanta, you don't say living in Georgia. I live in Austin. Right. But actually, I've actually changed that now because I, I feel like that, in a way, dismisses the way I feel about Texas now, which is I love Houston. Mm -hmm. um, getting to know Dallas, but it's like I am going to understand, just like the stereotypes about California, there's mm -hmm. in New York, which I've lived in and from California, there's stereotypes about Texas as well. Right. We don't wear cowboy hats. Right. Well, yeah, some, people some people do. do. And, it's like, you know, it's and that's cool. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but it's like, it's bigger than that, right? And I don't surf, you know, but I'm a Californian. Right. And so I, I love that. What I did say to, say to people, though, that being at this university, it was like um, seeing your bookshelf walk around live around you. Oh, wow. People that you're, you're reading and, you know, people that you yeah. work in groups. Yeah. Those are your people you're having lunch with are, are, are more... Honestly, it's more people who are saying, I'm gonna, I'll get together in a, in, in a month and a half. I can see you in a month and a half. And look at my calendar. You know, or, or, or better yet, we see each other at conferences outside of the city because we right. don't have time to see each other here. But it is still invigorating, and I just feel so inspired by my colleagues, and it's one of the best gifts I've been given being mm -hmm. here. And then, you know, that's why I was, when Charles Anderson called me, and was like, help me recruit Giselle. I was already at the door on the way to the <laughs> restaurant. I'm, like, I'm outside. You know? <laughs> So I'm really happy you're here. I am you happy no to idea. be here. And, and I was happy to have you at that meeting, at our first dinner. Yes. I was like, tell me what's up. Right. The <laughs> real. Yes. I'm like, we tell you. Yes. Always. Always. I'm about that. Um, that about us um, thinking about building community in ways that it are um, allows us to all grow together. Because you know, right now, there's a lot of focus on self-care, self-care. And I'm like, you can't. You need community care. Mm. Because if I'm thriving, you know, in the words of that great mm -hmm. philosopher Snoop Dogg, it ain't fun <laughs> if my homies can't have none. So I want everybody to be thriving. <laughs> That's a really important part of our um, ability to be able to, to thrive is to have a community that's thriving. Absolutely. And it's really hard. Austin's fantastic, but the black community here is not thriving. Mm -hmm. Are there parts, pockets of the black community that are not thriving, and that's very frustrating. Mm -hmm. And uh, maybe at some point... I'd like to, you know, figure out a way for us to all kind of collaborate on a uh, a Black Austin project about the history of Black Absolutely. folks here, and mm -hmm. you know, because it is really, yeah. I, mean, I didn't, really I, had, I had no idea really yeah. about the um, the racial racist history of the university and Black people before I came, because I was so um, ready to make a transition that I didn't do as much research as I should have. <laughs> um, um, but. Um, um, it has been uh, eye-opening, and it's great to meet some of the precursors and some of the folks that you know that, or the ones that were asked to live at Houston Tillerson. Yep. Where they were undergraduates, mm. and um, they are amazing people. So um, I do hope that um, you know, we're itching for a collaboration together. So we are trying to find our thing, or many, many things, hopefully, mm -hmm. to do. But um, one thing I wanted to ask about. Um, well, I'm so glad that um, you, this week, um, full disclosure, she came to my. Sitting Black Feminism Graduate Seminar and had students. Um, we one didn't have enough big enough room for them to move, but after you left, we did a little dancing 
right? So that they could dance. And I wanted to know how often do you dance a week when you're not doing work dance? Like, is there other times that you're just like, okay, I have a stressful day, I need to... Yeah, you know, it's funny. Um, I think I bring that into my classroom. Mm-hmm. You know, so something I, f- I feel like one of the things that is important for me to offer my class, like they work really hard and they're really yes. talented and they're also tired. Mm. <laughs> you know, so you're talking about self-care. Right. And so I'm thinking about self-care and I'm thinking about agency and I'm telling them, you know, let's not just use the studio time as just time to practice our technique and mm-hmm. get better, but like, let's also use it as time to be in community. Nice. I was like, and when we're tired, let's use each other's energy. So I think I'm trying to do that as well. I like there are times, yeah, no, you, you know, you show up in class and you're like, I <laughs> yes. just ran from one other thing, right. I gotta do this next thing. So I'm also thinking about how can this be a rejuvenating mm-hmm. process nice. and practice yes. in addition to a rigorous, thoughtful right. practice. Um, like, can we do both of those at the same time? Because it's like, how many times, and I talk to my students about this, when we think about how many times we're going to perform, mm-hmm. your performance, <laughs> like if we were to have a graph, the, op, the, the times that you were actually on stage performing right. is like tiny yes. compared to the amount of time that you're in rehearsal, yes. that you're in class. Yes. That you're, I was like, so let's make use of this time. Let's not wait mm-hmm. for joy and performance, right. you know, just on stage. Like, let's keep doing that in the classroom. I love it. So I'm always trying to have like a really, you know, a, a joyous moment in class. Like, and sometimes that joy is sweating, mm-hmm. you know, and in sweating in community with other people. Yes. So while yes. I'm not always, you know, I mean, yes, in the car on the way and that yes. song comes on, you know, <laughs> and you got Spotify moving oh and going. Um, but I'm, I do feel like I try to bring that into the classroom as well. So it doesn't feel like such a split between training and being. I love it. That is so important because, you know, again, taking art away from mm-hmm. Everyone and making it only for the specialists, mm-hmm. and even the specialists only using it when you're doing the thing you're getting paid for. Right, it's so important to claim that. Um, I want to talk about your major project. Um, what is the importance of archival work, and who is who are you archiving for? And is it for you? Is it for other dancers? Is it for Black people? Is it for American dance community? I wanted to think about have you share your thoughts about that. You know, so the project, um, No Boundaries, Dancing the Visions of Contemporary Black Choreographers, initially started out as a solo dance project and has been in process for over 15 years. That's amazing. When I started the project, I had no idea that I was beginning my life's work, right? You know, (laughs) I just was like, there are some choreographers that I'd love to work with. Um, that I haven't had a chance to yet. Mm-hmm. And so I began asking folks, um, I think David Rousseff and B.B. Miller, um, Donald McHale were some of the first people I asked if they mm-hmm. would be interested in, part- Jowale Willa-Joe of yeah, Urban Bush wow. Women, Just um, amazing. were some of the first people I asked, that I told them, I'm interested in creating this project about black choreographers. And part of it was because a lot of folks, especially 15 years ago at that time, they were familiar with Alvin Ailey, but didn't necessarily realize that there were other 
choreographers, mm-hmm. other black choreographers, who might be making work that they would be interested in, yes. but they just didn't know about nope. yet or hadn't had an opportunity to be exposed to. And I think that was also an extension of me growing up um, as a black dancer. I went to the Booker T. Washington High School for Performing and Visual Arts. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I was first coming up, I started in ballet, and of course there weren't that many ballet, mm-hmm. you know, black ballet. Before Misty. Right, before Misty. They existed, but like, right. you know, Sandra Oregon exactly. here, who was, right. you know, even has her own company here, was a member of Houston Ballet. But you just weren't getting that many people. Yeah. So, you know, the options that were apparent to me were that were even offered as suggestions, and these people were trying to be helpful, were like, well, maybe, you know, um, Dance Theater of Harlem. Or mm-hmm. Alvin Ailey. Well, and at the time, I wasn't very good at modern yet. I couldn't mm-hmm. roll down, roll on the floor, you know. <laughs> I didn't know how to do any, couldn't contract, you know. So I was like, well, I suck at modern, so I'm not going to be an Alvin Ailey. And I was just like, I don't think I'm going to make Dance Theater of Harlem. But I was interested in some of the, um, what was considered maybe even more experimental mm-hmm. forms of mm-hmm. dance and modern and contemporary and live art. But that wasn't a thing yet. So I felt like, wow, if I don't know, and this is really, those are the two options Mm -hmm. I got. I was like, I like Hubbard Street and Paul Taylor, like, you know, but those weren't offered to me as like possibilities at that time. So in creating this project, I was really thinking about, I wanted, I was also in Washington, D.C. at the Mm -hmm. time and spent many years there and had a nonprofit organization there. And Mm -hmm. I was like, well, what is a thing that I could do? for my community. I Mm -hmm. wanted them to know about the other choreographers that were out there. I wanted other dancers and artists to be like, you don't have to just go to Ailey. You don't have to just train in this one way. You know, black dance is actually a bunch of different things. You know, not this one monolithic idea. And so I asked these artists who were considered more experimental at the time Mm -hmm. if they would be interested in a project like that. And shockingly, they said yes. So then I had to go back (laughs) and like raise the money. And Mm -hmm. I used my nonprofit organization to be able to do that and started collecting choreographies. Um, Next thing I know, I performed, you know, I had about six or seven choreographies. Um, the other thing I was interested in was documenting each one of these yes. processes. So my idea was I was trained as a repertory dancer. I was trained to do multiple forms and styles mm-hmm. in addition to dancing in the living room with my mom yes. you know, and going to the club or whatever. And I wanted people to know these choreographers, not just what you saw on stage, but why do they make the work that they create? What inspired them? Yes. Where are they in terms yes. of the dance lineage? What do they think about when you say the term black dance? Because mm-hmm. that's not something they came up with. That's right. something that critics use to mm-hmm. describe the kind of dances that they were seeing these artists put on stage. Um, and so I, as part of the project, I would do the interviews, I would learn the choreography, and then in one evening, I would do several of the solos um, usually between five and seven of the solos in one evening with the documentary wow. in between. So you had time to be like, oh, who is this person? Excellent. Nice to meet them. Where are they from? Okay. Things that you don't necessarily get when you go to see mm-hmm. them maybe at the Kennedy Center or right. you know, on, right. on stage somewhere or even at Bass Hall, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I began to collect these choreographies. Um, I did the solo project, I think, around 2006 and 2007. Um, and then I was like, I'm not doing that again because it was real hard, <laughs> real hard doing seven solos in one evening. And um, yeah. 
But then I actually, but I still kept collecting choreographies. And then what I would do is maybe do one or two in an evening, mm -hmm. but you would see the solo, you would still see the interview okay. yeah. um, as a sense of, again, adding on to this um, archive. Well, in 2014-ish, there was a presenter who was like, you still doing that solo project? I'd love for you to do that solo project again. I was like, oh no. <laughs> um, but I had just gotten a piece, um, I was working with Rennie Harris wow. um, at CU Boulder, and so we had an opportunity to collaborate, and he said a solo on me, and I was like, I think maybe yes. I gotta do it like one more time. Uh. So I did in 2018, I did it in April um, at, in, at, in New York, in Brooklyn, um, supported by 651 Arts and the NEA actually mm -hmm. with the idea that I wanted to archive it, right. that I wanted to get really good footage. Mm -hmm. um, and I re-interviewed all of the choreographers, like what has happened in the last 15 Excellent. years? What has happened in your life? Amazing. What has happened in the field? What has Smart. happened in the society? Mm -hmm. um, and then all of that became the performance, that last performance with all this archival material. And now the goal is to turn it into a digital humanities archive Excellent. so that more folks can have access to it. So you ask like, who's the audience? In some ways I was doing it for myself when I started mm -hmm. because I, and which actually a lot of my work actually starts that way, right? It's a yes. question that I have, yep. a curiosity that I have. And then that feeling of like, I don't think I'm alone in this question. Mm -hmm. And so then I'm interested in um, uh, other, dancers, other okay. black dancers, mm -hmm. other scholars, um, folks who are interested in American history. I just was a part of a conference, a digital conference in Manchester, England, mm -hmm. and they are asking these questions as well. And it became super important for them. They were like, yes, we have a lot of lineage that is coming from black dance in America. And this was specifically about dances of the African diaspora. So it was an mm -hmm. international conference. Amazing. So I was like, this question is not just mine. No. It's not no. just for academia. It's not just no. for dance history, not just for that class. Uh -huh. it, is, it is something that is about a conversation where we can use dance as a lens to mm -hmm. understanding greater American conversations. Oh my God. It's, and it's such a um, vibrant um, form, but it's, it's, I've noticed I've been asking my graduate students who are, many of them are in um, the arts, performance theater though, um, if they go see dance and they all were you know, mm -hmm. feeling like that's not something that they felt in, um, welcome to do or felt that they were uh, um, either the barrier was financial or was more uh, cultural than not knowing uh, how to interpret the pieces, right? Mm -hmm. And I think the things that you gave them to think about were really useful. Maybe you can share that with your audience about uh, not allowing one's discomfort to bar you from right. the dance audience seats. So, you know, back in the day, um, <laughs> I, I would get that question a lot and concern a lot, like, I don't get modern dance, you know. <laughs> so one of my first pieces, and again, these are things that you like make up and then you don't realize like it's gonna be super important, but I made a dance mm -hmm. called How to Watch a Modern Dance Concert or it. What in the Hell <laughs> Are They Doing on Stage? Yes. And I tend to, in my work, I tend to, to point out the obvious. I was like, okay, let's just look at it. Let's just talk about it. Like some of it, it's weird, okay? <laughs> um, they're dancing in silence. Where's the music? Um, mm -hmm. I don't know what that gesture means. What is that supposed mm -hmm. to, you know? But I feel like giving people, and I also use humor, 
right? Mm-hmm. So it was a way of like letting people come into the um, theater and be like, you know, you can relax. It's totally okay. You <laughs> may get some things. You may just enjoy the music. You may enjoy the story. You may be impressed by what the dancer can do with their body. Um, but if you don't get something, it doesn't mean that you are any less yes. invited or that you're stupid or that you miss something. You know, different choreographers also have different relationships right. with the audience. And so it's funny because I put that on YouTube and this was before like the whole likes and stuff happened. <laughs> yes. But <laughs> turns out people will use that in their dance classes and they'll be like, it'll be sometimes. It. So it's got like 40,000. Like for me, that's a big deal. <laughs> that's a big deal. Nowadays, you know, nowadays it's like, you know, social media influencers with one million clicks right, or right, whatever. Right. But I was like, 40,000 likes that's, is a lot for me that's for a respectful. video. <laughs> exactly. You know, so I think I bring that spirit into all of my work. So even in relationship to the archive, I think part of what I'm thinking is that I want you to know that these people are human. You know, that I want you to have a connection to these artists and that you don't have to be a dancer or a scholar mm. in order to appreciate the works that they're making. Yes. Um, you know, we have folks like with Rennie Harris's piece, we have Tommy DeFrance contextualizing mm-hmm. what it meant to be doing hip hop. Right. So hip hop in the community during the Reagan era, yes. like this was a subversive way these bodies were happening, but then he was going to take that and put it on the concert dance stage. Yes. That was huge yes. when it happened. Yes. And also for me to think about like, it's kind of honoring my, like growing up during the hip hop era, mm-hmm. you know, with my, again, like I said, the running man and <laughs> all that stuff. Um, and including that in the archive as well, right? Oh, so that is, it. when I think about contemporary dance, when I think about African-American contributions to dance, it felt important to at least have an acknowledgement of hip hop. Yes. You know, in addition Absolutely. to spoken word is in the project. Um, there's There are stories that are in a project mm-hmm. around who has the right to marry. Mm-hmm. So each one of these choreographers, like just, gave me an offering you know some of it was part of their personal archive and what does it mean to have another body doing that some people took the advantage of because they didn't have to set it on their whole company of like Mm -hmm. oh what could I do with this one solo body right so it has been quite a journey that I'm like I shouldn't be the only one who's who gets to experience this who gets to drive around with Diane McIntyre <laughs> around Cincinnati and have her give me all the history. Right. Like, I, I want other folks to be able to connect to that history and journey as well. You should have your own television show, actually. <laughs> I think. I, I, I wish I would have, again, like, one of these things I wish I would have known. Like, we were, you know, the first footage is, like, all bad and terrible. You know, <laughs> I had, like, a terrible camera and bad mm-hmm. sound and... You know, now 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 I know what I'm doing. Yeah, that's part, that's part of the charm, though. That's that part, of, is, and that is yeah. part of the archive. Absolutely. Uh, think about how much people are enjoying listening to the hiss of albums now, right? Right. They crackle. Listen, right. To that. it's fabulous. And now you can have an app to like add the sound. Right. You make it sound right. old. Right. right. I'm like, oh my. So so don't don't fret about that. I mean, I I think that um, there are new dancers always. So, um, is there are there people that you, wait from the past or. Contemporaries, you feel like, oh, I wish, I, I would like to have them be part of this project, or yeah. I'd like to have a solo from person X. Absolutely. I, one of the things I'm imagining is that 
I was serious about like this is the last time because my technology is body is degrading. You know, forever, ever, forever, ever. <laughs> Come on, one more. Why not, right? Mm-mm. See, I got. I know one more. Wait. Encore. I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't get a ticket. But what I'm thinking now is that I do think in this idea is the challenge of capturing live performance, and so mm-hmm. now I'm thinking about the multimodal ways of doing it, and I do think some of the ways of documenting and archiving live performance is by continuing to have live performance. So in addition to the online archive, one of the things I'm interested in developing is a tour, but where I'm not the only solo body now. So I might do one or two solos, the ones that feel most appropriate for me to be performing, and then invite someone else to do the work of maybe two choreographers. So you could still have a soloist, like Camille Brown is someone I'm interested in adding to the archive. You know, she can dance pretty well. <laughs> yeah, she, she, she all right. She you all right. Know? Do a little choreography, too. She do a little or choreography. Or right? <laughs> you know, um, Love you, Camille Brown. <laughs> fanning. Fanning. Um, but, like, what would it be for somebody who is in her company to mm-hmm. do, you know, yes. one of her solos? Yes. But maybe they're also doing their own work. Ooh. So that's a way of bringing in, yes. like, a new, new generation. generation. We still Absolutely. do the interviews. Yes. We still, like, you know, are interview and then capture the dancer learning these choreographies Mm -hmm. um, and add that to the archive. And then there's other people like Ishmael Houston Jones, who is Mm. an improviser who's Mm. been improvising for mm, many, many years, 30 Mm. years. Um, So what would it be to include improvisation as part of this project? Blondell Cummings was um, a choreographer, a soloist making work around the same time that Jawale Willa-Jozala was making work. What would it mean to have someone go back and get her work and then also maybe do one of their own? And then also expanding the diaspora, who are folks who are doing, who have been working with um, Mm. dances from uh, the continent. Um, And so how can we continue to just expand what this project is. So for me, my hope is that No Boundaries becomes the go-to place for dances of the African Mm -hmm. diaspora. And maybe you start with this one little chapter, so now I feel like I have this one little chapter, but that will continue Mm -hmm. to send you out to new choreographers, you know, historical voices, um, scholarly talks, so that it just continues to grow. And I I think it's a tour. I think mm-hmm. it's a oh, yes. live performance. I think it's a book. Mm-hmm. I think it's a museum exhibit. I think it's, mm-hmm. you know, in other experimental spaces. I think there are holograms mm-hmm. involved. <laughs> yes. Um, mm-hmm. And so what are the multiple ways that we tell these stories of these African-American choreographers, right? We're storytellers. Absolutely. Like, you know, how do we disrupt some of the ways that archives have been kept and held, right? The body mm-hmm. is an archive. Yes. So how can we also take care, because the body is an archive, like it is holding memories and thoughts and all of this information. And with many, so many years of distrust in the theft of yes. African-American cultural contributions, yes. you know, how and, do we and take th- care the body. and the theft, theft of the black of body? The body. So when we're thinking about how we want to tell these stories, Mm -hmm. I really want to be um, creative in the ways that we continue to transmit and share and document these histories. And I am so glad your life's work found you. (laughs) It did. Um, That this is such an important project. um, And I do see it as a tour. I do see it as a book. 
as a live performance, as um, a museum exhibition, and I will be on the sidelines watching the, this entire thing happen. I'm so proud of you and so oh, happy to, you. to be your colleague. Mm-hmm. Um, this is such an um, inspiring project for, uh, for me um, as an uh, artist to think about in which ways I want to in- intercede in the um, archive mm-hmm. for um, black theater. Um, and performance, and I think about you, know, you saying, "Okay, I'm going to invite other people in." And I'm seeing this the first time. And Vera Smith has done mm-hmm. that; has been here in Austin with um, her play, looking at the uh, school to prison pipeline, mm-hmm. which name is it's escaping me right now. The name of the play, um, but she for the first time had other people in, play all the roles. She didn't play any of them, and um, it's amazing to, to think about what it means for. Um, the body to sh- shift and your role to shift in terms of, of making this work happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and it takes a um, someone who really cares about the work not to make their ego the center, but to make the work the center. Mm-hmm. So, that's a beautiful thing about both of you. And um, I guess I should ask the most important question is Have you found a favorite place to get ice cream since you've been living in Austin? <laughs> <laughs> I have, I have not, so I'm ready to hear. So, okay, where that, so we're gonna go, go. We're gonna, we're gonna. I'm, I'm gonna take her out for good desserts in Austin, um, at some point. So that's that's what that's my that's my spirit animal. <laughs> An ice cream cone, no? <laughs> Definitely. Um, thank you so much for taking time out. Um, I know you have somewhere to go pretty soon. Uh, where are you off to next week? Yeah, um, on Monday I get to head to. Uh, Rauschenberg for an artist residency five weeks in Captiva, Florida in November. I'm not mad. I'm not mad. (laughs) Leaving is hard because, you know, there's all this stuff to do, but I'm really looking forward to having that time to dig into the creative process. That's a real, that's a real gift. It is a gift. And I I was going to joke around about, you know, how do you apply for that fellowship? But for those of you listening, um, you don't. You're invited to uh, partake. Um, so that says a lot about um, your stature in um, your field, but in um, the arts in general, and it is much deserved. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So thank you for speaking with us today. Yes, and thank you for having me. And I'm so glad we finally, we've been trying to connect <laughs> so many times. <laughs> Three times in one week, right? Three times in one week. So thanks to Fusebox for also giving us an excuse yes, to get together. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely.